welcome to the first of our Redcasts, a series in which we talk about sport, politics and sport as politics pursued by other means. Today we're going to talk about Detroit City FC, a football team with a strong left-wing following in the Midwest. And I mean proper football, not the American version. Anyone using the term soccer in this Redcast, apart from me, will be expelled from the ball game. Our first guest is Matt Smith, a Detroit City fan and a member of the supporters group The Keyworth Casuals. Matt's also a man with strong views on politics and even though it's a dull time in American politics, I think we'll manage to squeeze in a wee chat about the future of the union, if there is one, before the end of the show. Then we have Vince Raison, Chardon Athletic football fan, professional South Londoner and author of the fabulous book Today, South London, tomorrow, South London. Finally, my comrade and co-host on Redcast, Mr. Alex Gordon from the Rail and Maritime Union. Okay, brief history of Detroit City FC. Started in 2012 by a group of five Detroit residents who wanted a club of their own, promote the city and help build community through soccer. In their first season in the NPSL, the National Premier Soccer League, Detroit City finished second in the five-team Great Lakes Conference of the Midwest region. Since then, the club's success on the pitch has been reflected in the growing attendances at games. Gates in 2019 averaged 6,341 compared to 1,296 in 2012. Now, City moved to the Keyworth Stadium in Greater Detroit in 2016, having raised nearly $750,000 from local residents to get the old 1930 stadium renovated. August 15, 2019, the National Independent Soccer Association announced that Detroit City would join them, the NISA, for the 2020 season. Now, obviously, 2020 season has been disrupted due to COVID, but City are now back, and uh, just a couple of days ago, won the What's it called? The Fall Championship? Uh, yes, Nisa Fall uh, Championship. Nisa Fall Championship with a victory at Oakland. So we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Well done to the guys. The club's managed by Trevor James, former Ipswich Town player, who used to be an assistant coach in Scout under Bobby Robson. Now, since its beginning in 2012, the club's been dedicated to supporting the city of Detroit and building community through its own partnerships and philanthropic missions. As noted in the club's motto, passion for our city, passion for the game. As an example, each season, one regular season home game is dedicated as a fundraiser for a Detroit area charity. 2013, the club's matched against Zaneville Athletic, benefited the Wounded, Wounded Warrior Project and Hooligans for Heroes, which is a non-profit started by members of the Northern Guard supporters. Now, the Northern Guard supporters website is called No One Likes Us, the motto of the famous Millwall, best mates of Vince's team charting down here in Southeast London. Now, <laughs> uh, City tried to play against an overseas club every year. Uh, they played St. Pauli a couple of years ago and lost 6-2, which is a very rare away win for St. Pauli, so thank you for that. <laughs> and amazingly, they played against Glen Torren from East Belfast in 2017 to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Detroit Cougars. Weirdly, Glen Torren played in the United Soccer Association as the Detroit Cougars in the 1967 season. So this was interesting for me because researching for this intro, I also discovered Glen Torren 
turn down George Best as a kid because he was too small and light. And in 1914, Glentoran won the Vienna Cup, becoming the first British team to win any European trophy, all which I find very interesting, but I uh, don't really have many friends and don't ever get out much. So on 30th July, 2020, Detroit announced the sale of non-share units to the public at large, allowing fan investment in the club. Whilst, <clears throat> excuse me, the newly created board of managers remained in control of decisions through their Class A membership. Now, this was announced to run through 20th November, but more than 2,000 supporters placed over 1 million in five days, putting the club at the limit for investments of this type. Delighted to say the campaign was fronted up by one of my heroes, Iggy Pop, a good Detroit boy. But, now, Matt, over to you, mate. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Anything you want to add to the history, please, mate? Uh one stipulation, uh, Iggy Pops from Muskegon, the west side of Michigan. Uh, all right, sorry. Soccer is the English terminology. You guys came up with association football. <laughs> now, nobody uh, said uh, soccer across the unless we're taking the piss out of Americans saying soccer. Yeah. So for us, it's football. All right. Carry on. <laughs> I, will I, will, uh, I will make sure to keep saying football. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. It's, uh, it's uh, two nations separated by a common language. I think somebody once said the English and the uh, the, the, the British and the Americans, two nations oh, separated by a common language. Just across the river, like I have to like switch out my C's for S's when I'm spelling like defense or something. I was going to ask you, Matt, if um, if you allow Canadians to attend your games. Well, unfortunately, with, with the border being closed right now, like, no. We usually play a friendly against Windsor every year, which uh, Windsor is the B team for uh, Toronto FC, who I who I don't like because I, if the, I support any MLS team, it's my buddies up in Montreal. Okay, Matt, I'm going to ask you the first question here, and then we'll follow on with a few more follow-ups, uh, and I'll pass the floor over to... Alex and to Vince. First question, who follows Detroit City and why? Uh, any football fans. Detroit is the only properly supported team in the area. Uh, Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids had some support, same with Lansing, but even like Grand Rapids and Lansing folks come to Detroit for matches. Like, we're the only, we're the club in Michigan. Uh, people are attracted by the left-wing element of support, or is it just more a general football thing? It's just more of a general football thing. Uh, and I feel like where, like I've been a leftist since I was a teenager, but, and I'm, I'm 34. The leftist politics actually came more out of the fact that like, we were very well supported in the punk and hardcore and like skinhead communities. So we're, we just, the, in, the inherent politics of punk rock and ska and stuff like that came through. Can you, can you just tell us a bit about the sort of the cultural background to soccer uh, in uh, Detroit? 
uh, and how it relates to, say, the the cultural scene, uh, the music scene. I mean, just tell us a bit about that. In the U.S., like, uh, I feel like the first real football supporters in the U.S. usually tended to be, like, skinheads just because of, like, the affinity for football in, like, oi music. So, like, the first football fans that I knew were all, like, wearing West Ham jerseys with the uh, Doc Martin sponsor logo on the front. Like, those were all, like, those were the first football fans that I knew until I started playing the game. By the time that was actually televised in the U.S., like, you really only had supporters of Arsenal, Chelsea, United, because those were the teams that were actually on ESPN. Uh, So, like, when it came to actual support for football clubs, supporters were all either your Latino or, in Detroit's case, Arabic uh, neighbors, or the skin the uh, the skinhead a number of years older than you in the West Ham shirt. It's interesting you mentioned skinheads there because over here we associate skinheads now with being a bunch of racist dickheads, and there's also that association with oh. West Ham fans too. I get the feeling it's a bit different across there. Is that right? So skinhead is incredibly apolitical in the state. Well, the, like, if you see right-wing skinheads in the U.S., very often, like, they're either, they're NSBM people, like National Socialist Black Metal. After, like, Ian Stewart died and, like, Blood and Honor stopped being, like, that big of a thing, uh, right-wing oi really sort of just like disappeared and the the far the biggest like right-wing music other than con- pop country was uh was black metal Vince. oh and, and rockabilly rockabilly oh, like rockabilly is really right-wing Wow. Well, Rocky Billy has many issues apart from the dodgy politics, but let's move on. Yeah, it's trash music. Oh, it's absolutely <laughs> shite. Uh, Mac, I'll just stop you there, because I think we spoke about the women's team a while ago. Uh, have they all begun, and do you anticipate the turnout for the women's games being as high as it is for the men's games? I anticipate that, like, we might have, like, 75-80% turnout for the women's team. Like, I, I would be that's, there. That's if great. It, yeah, like I'm lucky enough to be given a bar shift after matches that I they just let me walk in after the game and work three hours and then punch out and leave. Uh, all I do is work the post game rush and then go fuck off to dance to house music. Uh, so I I anticipate like I'll be there. I know most of the I know the other keyword casuals guys will be there. And I know that Northern Guard will be there. I know the Jolly Rouge will be there. I know the No Trick Truck uh, skinhead dudes will be there. I, it's the other side of the stadium, the seated side, that, that I'm, like, wondering if they'll show up. Like, the, the supporters section will be there. 
those groups have some really cool sounding names. That's one area where you guys are well ahead of us. We've got crap names for our groups, and <laughs> you guys do sound actually pretty cool. All right, uh, Alex. Well, I was just going to ask Matt to tell us a bit about the um, the match that you've just uh, you've just had. I think it was at Keyworth actually, uh, yes. where you defeated uh, the Oakland Roots. 2-1 to take the uh, full championship. So do you want to just talk us through the highlights of the game? And I, I, what I really wanted to follow onto was talking about where you get your players from. Because I see uh, man of the match, I think man of the season, uh, Stephen Carroll. Carroll. Uh, so he's he's Irish, I believe. Yes. And But you've got players from all over the world, from Liberia. Um, and I'm interested in how they come to be playing for Detroit City. What's the route by which they've come there? Are they in Detroit looking for work uh, at university uh, and then they pick up uh, the game when they're there? Or have they come to Detroit to play for the play for the club? All right, so I can tell you season one was uh, a lot of guys who had just graduated from Michigan State University. Our, uh, our coaching staff were assistants at MSU. Uh, and then a lot of current player, like a lot of guys that were still at U of M, University of Michigan, and then a handful of guys that played for, played at smaller schools like Saginaw Valley. Uh, we, we really pulled from like Michigan schools. After the first season, uh, there were a few teams in uh, the NPSL which had folded. And there were, there, there were tryouts that like uh, at Oakland University that in January or February, you would have like hundreds of local people, uh, mostly college got players. Uh, the first few seasons, one of our owners was one of the players. We had some people drive all the way from Iowa uh, because they saw what it was looked like to play for Detroit City. And there was a beautiful open letter written by one of the coaching staff that first season that these are guys who will never have the experience of playing in front of more than a thousand people, people singing 90 minutes with people with the noise that like, like this isn't American football. This isn't ice hockey. This isn't basketball where like you have that environment, even in college matches. So like a lot of these guys were coming to Detroit just for the experience of playing semi-pro. The Most of the paid players on the team were guys who played arena, like indoor professionally. And this is just what they were doing in the summer. So in the case of say your captain, uh, sorry, is he the captain, Stephen, Stephen Carroll? Yes. Yeah. Uh, in the case of Stephen Carroll, when did he come, and is he is he fully professional or is he uh, working to? Yes, all the guys now are professional. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how the scouting's done. Like I know a lot of a lot of the like uh, foreign born players were university players, and then this is just what they kept doing. Uh, our prior captain uh dave edwardson is a geordie 
like I, I know Stevens from Cork. I don't know what, like what brought him to the States because we weren't a pro team when he started. He was still playing the amateur game. Uh, I like, I know some of the guys like Tyrone Mondi, uh, who scored probably the biggest goal in Detroit city history is from South Africa. He came here and was going to community college. Like he was playing at a really small school and through his one season at, uh, I want to say coastal Carolina, which is, uh, in the U.S. University game, like, is one of the larger schools that you can go to. Sorry, Matt, tell us about uh, what was the most important goal in Detroit history that he scored. Uh, it was the NPSL Midwest title winner in 2017. Uh, it was in stoppage time. Uh, Detroit City had given up a two-goal lead. In stoppage time, a ball was sent into the box, headed out, and uh, Bakey Goodman, who is still with the club, around the edge of the 18, headed the ball back in the box, and Tyrone uh, volleyed it at the edge of the six, and it gives me goosebumps even just talking about it. Uh, I, honestly, the it was against Ann Arbor, who had beat who had finished above us in the uh, regular season, but we, we beat them when it mattered. And I don't know it, that that's still, despite winning the uh, NPSL pro uh, founders cup, which the NPSL pro immediately folded. So the founders cup really wasn't that big of a thing, but, Despite winning that, despite the title a couple of days ago, Tyrone Mondi's uh, volley is the biggest goal in club history. It's interesting you talk about the passion, and we can clearly tell by the way you talk that uh, you feel a great passion for the team. I guess we don't really associate that over here with um, your version of football in the States. We regard you as a, you know, a nice bunch of middle-class guys sitting down there or politely applauding whenever a goal goes well. But uh, having seen some of Detroit's games on video, uh, and YouTube in particular, you look like a real raucous bunch of foul-mouthed bastards, very similar to that. <laughs> and congratulations for that. Before I go over to Vince, what British football teams do Detroit fans mostly follow? And do you guys consciously try to emulate British fans, or do you introduce some of your own innovations too? I would say that we most, like if we emulate any uh, country's fans, it'd, mo it'd probably be mostly the Germans or Italians. Really? That's because well, because spe fair. specifically with like the Northern Guard with like their, their singing is like tightly like choreographed. Like it's, a, it's very much like there's a capo stand and chants don't just like, come in and out organically really it's really much more of a uh, choreographed thing the way that the germans and attack like the, it's done on the continent yeah that's true there's no organization across here we just uh, basically someone starts off in the back and we join in yeah i think some people yeah. tried to introduce something more structured but 
we resist. Crystal, it. I've seen Crystal Palace. Uh, apparently, has some folks like that. That it's more organized. And they have been a little mocked for that, and yeah. <laughs> along with having cheerleaders and um, and goal music as well. You know, when uh, you know that doesn't affect uh, in most. I I've got no problem with goal music. All right, like every time I hear Depeche Mode play after a <laughs> after a Celtic goal, I'm psyched. <laughs> Matt, I was just wondering how how much of the pie of the local media you get. I mean, you you've always been competing for oxygen with uh, the Pistons and the Tigers and the Lions and uh, the Red Wings. Just check out Northern Guard's Twitter because they're just dragging like some of the like the free press and Metro Times for not covering us at all. Right. Uh, yeah, and and it's just, it's a shame because we're yeah. currently the best team in Detroit. Uh, and the rest you make of our teams noise. are all awful. You, you yeah, you make more noise than the other four put together by the sound of things. Honestly, uh Detroit City ruined other sports games for me. Like I went to like 2004 13 or 14, I went to a Red Wings playoff game and I was like, I can't, I can't sit down. I'd even rather watch Arsenal in a bar with the rest of like my friends than like pay to go do a red wings or like a tigers game is cool because baseball is just a drinking thing yes like you can you can sit there for three hours and drink like six pints i can't believe anybody uh, watches it for the sport no that makes sense to me <laughs> a pint uh, baseball is i describe baseball as like a radio game like you it's just in the background <laughs> it's a picnic it's not an active sport. It's one that you could. I the one I really can't watch is American football. Like it's just for a sixty-minute game that takes like four hours. It's mostly commercials. The game used to be quite big across here when they showed on Channel Four an hour-long highlight show, and we all got into it. Then they started to show the games in full. And it used to go on for about three and a half for four hours. And it's a long time to be on the TV and it bored the hell out of me. Yeah, so it's definitely a game to be watched in a highlight basis. And yes. course, the Detroit Lions have been absolute crap for pretty much my, ever. So I can see why you're not. Yeah, crap. my entire life. My dad and I have seen the Lions with the same number of playoff games. One. <laughs> <laughs> but I did like Sanders. I thought Sanders was a fantastic player, just stuck in a dreadful team. Oh, uh, Barry yes. Sanders was amazing. He was my favourite uh, player in that era. I felt sorry for the guy, too, because he was so great, while the rest of the side was utter shite. Anyway, back to proper football rather than yes. American <laughs> person. All right, Alex. Uh, well, look, um, so I'm, I'm trying to get a, a picture of the, um, the rivalries, really, uh, that Detroit City has. I mean, I'm looking at the uh, NISA league and i mean you've been playing teams literally right across north the north american continent uh just won the championship uh beating oakland uh you've got a local rivalry there in the michigan stars i guess that's the most local team to you <laughs> yeah it's the most uh, local it's another home then, game though uh, another home game yeah uh and then you've got teams you're playing you've got chattanooga you've got la force 
uh, California unit, uh, the NY Cosmos and New Amsterdam, I guess in New York as well. So the, the question is really, I'm trying to find out who's the, uh, who's the key rival, the, 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 the Derby game uh, that you have uh, for Detroit City. And is there, you were talking to me earlier about how difficult it is to get to see uh, away games live. Uh, so very few fans presumably travel from LA uh, to Detroit and vice versa to watch their team playing yeah. away. So um, do you ever get to meet the fans from the other teams and have any kind of, is there any kind of banter, relationship, rivalry? I mean, tell us about the uh, interclub relationships between fans. The real like uh, derby here is... Uh would be the Flint Bucks, but we don't play in the same league, so we would only meet in the U.S. Open Cup. That that's that's the the Millwall West Ham thing. That's you only meet every few years because you're not in the same league. Or Newcastle Sunderland. Now that Sunderland's even more trash. Uh, yeah, we would only meet in a cup situation in. Nisa and NPSL Pro before that uh, last year. It's 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 Chattanooga and the Cosmos. Chattanooga is pretty friendly. There's like some banter. A lot of Detroit City supporters because Chattanooga introduced uh, the member ownership scheme like years ago. A lot of Detroit City supporters specifically northern guard folks uh also own shares in chattanooga if you ask me i don't really care like i don't i'm not trying to buy ownership of another club when chattanooga plays in detroit we'll have like somewhere between like 20 50 maybe even 100 people come up cosmos uh last year they they had like 10 20 people show up uh, I don't know how many Detroiters went to visit the cop, went away to New York. Uh, that there's more antagonism there because, uh, the whole Cosmos brand. <laughs> and cause New Yorkers are so rude. There's also sort of the irony that like the big, like, Copa 90 video on YouTube for Detroit City was made by Pat Inferna, who is a comrade, and but he's a Cosmos supporter. Uh, but politically, like, Brigada 71 was actually a huge influence on Keyworth Casuals forming. And when... Brigada, Paul, 70, Brigada 71 is the Cosmos, uh, the Cosmos Co firm? Cosmos AFA outside of football like they're i'm in a group chat with some of those guys uh like they're they're comrades like they're outside of football they are they're the closest thing about keyworth casuals at least have to friends like when we went to see saint Pauli play in new york uh the year after detroit did we did it first <laughs> uh we we hung out we hung out with them we went to their bars because 
Uh, Brigada 71 is essentially almost this entirely same group as uh, St. Pauli, New York. Okay, interesting stuff there about those associations. We'll talk more about the political side of things maybe a wee bit later. Vince? Yeah, um, so next uh, next year, perhaps around this time, I hope to be in the States. Uh, Matt, should I be going to Detroit? And if so, why? <laughs> uh, when it comes to tourism, like so much of Detroit is gentrified. Is so uh, yeah, uh, I can show you the divey elements that are still there, but like a lot of the downtown experience is very sterile and owned by like three billionaires. Right. So if you have the right guide, yes. <laughs> okay. If you if you don't, you're spending New York Manhattan prices on an inferior product. Right. <laughs> okay. If you're with the right people, they can show you things. But you have some good dive bars that uh, someone like you could uh, show me a good time. I live in dive bars. <laughs> it's, uh, Hamtramck, where Keyworth is located, uh, interesting statistic, once used to have the most bars per capita in the United States. Uh, Hamtramck is actually its own separate, one of two separate cities surrounded by Detroit, the other being Highland Park. I I'm, I'm just uh, want to ask about the, uh, look at, looking at the uh, stuff you've got online, particularly uh, the Northern Guard. So you've got this march to the ground, which the club kind of promotes, and uh, but I guess it's kind of organised and conducted by the supporters themselves. Um, which takes place before each home game, uh, yes. where you'll meet up uh, a mile away from the ground, and then there'll be a, a walk through Hamtrak, through the suburbs, through the streets, uh, to, over to Keyworth. Um, and that's kind of a political demonstration, as far as I can see from the... Have I, I've got, have I got the wrong idea there? There's definitely uh, some political symbols, but I wouldn't say that like the march to the stadium is inherently political. So how does the, um, I mean, on, on the- Like it has a police escort. Like if you have a police <laughs> escort, there's, it's not a fucking march, it's a parade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well put. So how, talking about the police then, how does the, um, how, how do the supporters clubs relate to contemporary political uh, events going on in the States? I mean, you talked about the um, Hooligans for Heroes, uh, initiative uh, a few a couple of years ago I think it was so maybe it was more recently uh, but for example we've seen the United States transfixed uh, by the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, protests for most of this year uh, and of course it, this is a continuation of uh, the protests that have been going on for the last several years does this feature in the in the in the activities of the fans how, how is this reflected there is no uh, white supremacist element in our supporters groups, but uh, there is like a definitely different approach to things where uh, I would say most of the Northern Yard is an open membership organization. Like they don't charge dues. There's no membership cards. 
so like they're not explicitly political. There, there, there are a lot of leftists within it, but overwhelmingly it's more of a liberal anti-fascism. When Keyworth Casuals formed, it was with we're a closed membership organization. We fit uh, to use anarchisty jargon from 20 years ago. We function like an affinity group where it's just, we're a small handful of people. We're very tight knit and we do this in order to maintain a political line. And some people in Northern Guard actually uh, tried chewing us out on Twitter because uh, we, we were showing up to all the Detroit Will Breathe marches very early on. And I kept, I kept making statements about uh, this is when you see whether your supporter group uh, believes ACAB or do you actually believe all cops are bastards or do you say it because you see it on Instagram? So we definitely had a few people try to call us out. Uh, I, I do hate cops. I do believe all cops are bastards. I stand by that. I have unfriended friends from high school because they became cops. Uh, so I, uh, I firmly stand by that. And that's where like uh, the skinhead group is really weird because like some of them are socialists, but some of them are like ANCAP kind of libertarians. So it's, it's very weird. They, they, they are, com they're in Notre Dame like a completely apolitical group. It just happens to be that they're all like always skinheads. And in terms of the Keyworth casuals then, I mean, do you, does your, your affinity group, do you introduce uh, politics to uh, the other fans? I mean, do you, do you, for example, lead, try and lead chants or have banners or make interventions in any uh, fan forums? How, how do you function as an affinity group politically? Uh, really? It's more inserting our, like, putting our presence out there outside of the stadium, really. Right-wing Twitter got a hold of a photo of my brother and I with uh, the, the big, like, anti-fascist, I'm Detroit City Antifa banner that I made uh, as proof that Antifa were behind Black Lives Matter. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really weird because Detroit, there's been no property damage and only uh, violent police repression. Like, there's not been a single window smashed in Detroit. Like, we're not Portland or Seattle. We haven't been able to get, a, get to do any of that stuff. Uh, like, Keyworth Casuals isn't as mobilized on the terrace as we are in the streets. Like uh, it was really sort of a way to try to bridge gaps between like the football club, the, for lack of a better word, activism community and like the music scene. Mm -hmm. We're like, I, I also am a DJ and I'm a bartender. So like nightlife is a huge thing for me. Yeah. And I like, especially like the types of music that I play are like soul, house, and disco. And it's like, 
House and disco have always been black, brown, and queer. So very much like, I don't want to see like stupid white kids being bigots when I'm out like in a nightclub. Like I don't, like if you're going to embrace this culture, you need to fucking respect that it was created by black, brown, and queer people. Uh, and this, the very much the same thing where like, the reason why football is even a thing in the U.S., it, it's not 1930s, like they, when the U.S. placed, like, what was it, fourth in the World Cup? Yes, like, they have supposed to have a World Cup, amazingly enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the biggest moment between that and uh, 1990, uh, Paul Kelajuri's uh, goal to send us to Italia 90, the biggest moment in between that was our shock defeat of England. We still haven't gotten over that. <laughs> and I still celebrate uh, every year. I, I, I don't know. I also still remember Robert Green spilling a shot into the back of a net. <laughs> One of my favorite American football moments as well, it has to be said. <laughs> okay, so Matt, regarding differences and bridging gaps, interesting to me, because uh, I mean, it's a black city. It's a black and increasingly Irish yeah. city. But uh, your support, I guess, still remains overwhelmingly white. What uh, what can be done about that? And is there anything that can be done? Uh, so one of the members of Northern Guard uh, a few years ago started a group called uh, Finding Our Roots, which was taking, took her inheritance and put it into buying tickets just hand out to neighborhood kids. Uh, Hamtramck is an overwhelmingly working class neighborhood. During a stand-up set, I uh, once said that I was going to start the Hamtramck Liberation Front, which was going to be 30-something alcoholics and 18-year-old Yemeni kids. Because uh, <laughs> the Hamtramck, outside of service industry workers. Hamtramck is overwhelmingly Yemeni and Pakistani. Is this where the ground is? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so the other interesting statistic about uh, Hamtramck, besides the like it once had the most bars per capita in the United States, Hamtramck is also the first city in the United States to have a majority Muslim city council. Okay. So, and, and, and these things like you can hear the call to prayer five times a day and you can also stumble home from a bar at 3 a.m. Like these are two things that happen in the same town. Uh, so one of the things is like getting the actual neighborhood involved, Pakistani and Yemeni kids. Uh, another is... Uh, if you've, if you've noticed, like, the number of, like, the friendlies that we've played, like, the ownership tries to, like, go out and bring Mexican teams. Like, we played Nacaxa, we played uh, Atlas, and we played Juarez. So trying to bring uh, clubs that will bring the, the Latino population of Southwest Detroit in... Uh, which was a problem early on because because Detroit is so is like a border town. There is a even though we're in the north, there is an ice presence in Detroit. Mm. So it it is definitely a city where like 
like you need to actually take into account how many people are undocumented. You just have, you just have to spell out ICE for the uh, for the British uh, listeners. Uh, uh, Matt. ICE ICE was ICE was uh, created after 9/11 as part of the Department of Homeland Security. It is Immigration and Custom Enforce Customs Enforcement. Uh, ICE is child snatchers. I, I, ICE are the people. Yes. They are the ones that detain and deport uh, undocumented people. And was it successful having Mexican teams? Did you have? Uh, did you get some Mexican fans along, and did they stick with you? Uh, it's yet to be seen, really. Uh, I I've definitely seen uh, more black folk in these stands than in the first couple seasons. Uh, and I think that also comes from the fact that like the players on the pitch, I would, I would venture to say our, our side is maybe half black, the men's side, at least, uh, like we have a lot of, uh, African players on our team and like, uh, actually I want to congratulate, uh, Tendai Jadida on uh, getting a call up to the Zimbabwe national team. But uh, yeah, we definitely have a larger presence of black players than in the first couple seasons. We really need to wait and see like uh, when our youth team, like our youth players are old enough to attend matches, how much like our involve our club's involvement is actually getting results uh i i like i i really think that you need to wait like another five to ten years to really see uh as far as uh the latino turnout i feel like we we get people who support those clubs i don't know if it translates to actually keeping them hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon because, uh, oh, how's the game getting on there, Matt? What's the score? Spurs up 5-1. Uh, I think somebody was sent oh. off for United earlier. Yeah. Spurs up 5-1. Oh, God, that's a, that's a bit depressing. Uh, Jose anyway. Mourinho scoring uh, three goals outside of Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on from those two minor league sides, getting back to Detroit. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting what uh, you say there because uh, Vince, uh, much more than I, follows Dulwich Hamlet. And uh, whenever I've been to Dulwich, it's been quite striking that uh, it's basically a white, fairly middle class lefty audience watching a group of mostly black guys on the pitch. So it's a, a phenomenon which is reflective across here as well. All right, guys. So before we uh, wrap up this part of the red cast, uh, Vince. Uh, I was just curious about that, the, how you've managed to raise so much money for a, a, a relatively small club. You, you, uh, the, the money you raised has been amazing, not just for yourselves, but for charities as well. Uh, we're a generous bunch. <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, as soon as I, like, I'm a bartender, but due to COVID, I'm unemployed. Uh, at the moment I got my first unemployment check, I immediately put it into bail funds for the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. Wow. Uh, so it's very much like uh, between Pride Razor, which a few of the uh, 
NGS Capos started doing Pride Month, uh, like every goal scored, the uh, a bunch of people will donate uh, a certain sum of money, like we'll pledge a certain amount of money per goal scored. I don't know. It's, I think it just stems from the roots of the club. But did I hear? Did I hear correctly that um, the great Iggy Pop uh, had a hand in initially starting the ball rolling with the fundraising to establish the club at Keyworth? So, no, uh, not the Keyworth uh, move, but the uh, the release of sh- of ownership shares. Uh, there, there were two separate things. Uh, the Keyworth fund was a few years ago, and that was that was really just like buying bonds. Uh, so it was like an investment that you made that it it offered you no ownership, but it offered you a return on investment. Uh, this is actually like shares of ownership. I believe it's ten uh, percent of the club that they sold. So enough for like the supporters to have a voice, but not, not like Germany with the fifty plus one rule or anything like that. And and what was and what was Iggy's role? The website that they sold the shares through. When you you need like a uh, a prime investor, right? Like a celebrity pitchman or something. And Iggy Pop was the guy uh he like he did a few of the commercials uh like announcing the ownership scheme and was like the primary investor so how much how much did he put in uh i don't know Uh, it just means you're officially the coolest club in the world surely uh, i mean uh can can i just say i want to be your dog No fun, man. No fun. That's all I was going to say. Could well be no fun. <laughs> yeah, I was very excited to see Iggy got involved in that. And I saw a YouTube video today, which Iggy did the voiceover for. And yeah. he now has got the best white speaking voice in YouTube. Yes. He, it, he, he, yeah. That voice is just like, it's it's gravelly. It's just, it, it oozes like the working class grit that Detroit it has. Oh yeah, he's got a very Detroit voice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm a big fan of Iggy from a long way back, so I was delighted to see that. I was also glad to see that. Uh, is it the Black Arrow Award for the Player of the Year? Yes, Gil Heron. Gil Heron, who yes, again Jamaican, played for Celtic, which is awesome. First black and, Celtic player, uh, the father of Gil Scott Heron, and that is even more awesome because Gil Scott yeah. was another massive hero in this house. So yeah, I think I'm going to have to go ahead and start supporting Detroit. Um, I've got to say, I've only really fancied going back to America if I was in a Soviet-era bomber. But now <laughs> I might go ahead and make an exception and, uh, yeah, try and get to Detroit at some time if they'll let me in, which is probably yeah. quite unlikely, particularly after that comment. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, Alex, sir. Well, no, I, I, I'm sort of uh, trying to angle the angle the conversation around to uh, a bit of politics before we wind up really um stew that's a good idea i think what we can probably do then is take a quick break now and uh, we shall return with the second part of the podcast within seconds what we'll probably try and do in the break is a little bit of iggy pop music uh. <laughs> 